Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. Have you been thinking about starting your own business? Have you just started or are several years in but not where you want to be or should be? This takes a lot of courage, but it also takes a lot of wisdom. We'll have a very special guest take us through some key things to help you be successful in that endeavor today on The Whole Steward. This is episode number 39. I'm so thankful you've joined. Learn from those who have done it before. That's one way that you can jumpstart or leapfrog some key lessons that you can learn or need to learn to be successful at what you're doing, especially if you're starting a business. That's the topic for today. Uh, with that said, this is a big day for me because it's the first in-studio interview, so I'm excited to have our guest in studio. I'm working through some of the technical aspects of making that happen, and I'm learning how to bring you great content in a great way. So I appreciate your patience with me. Uh, Zig Ziglar comes to mind. You don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to be great. So that is where I'm at today, and I appreciate you bearing with me on this. This is also a big day for us to be able to sit at the feet of a man with tremendous entrepreneurial experience. I mean, even if you're not considering starting your own business, I highly encourage you to listen in because you can get some insights today into the mind of an entrepreneur, uh, into a business owner's mindset that it takes to bring that sort of value of those goods and services to the people, to the customers every day. And so we can all learn a lot today. So get ready to think deeply about the important aspects of starting your own business. And unless you're driving or doing something that requires your hands, you might want to grab a pen and paper because we hear from Gary Moore next on The Whole Steward. Our next guest has over 50 years of advertising, sales, and leadership experience. He led the charge in traditional media's digital real estate integration with a platform that eventually evolved into Realtor.com. He oversaw online automotive and real estate technology for traditional media. For 10 years, he served on the board of directors for the family-owned Victoria Advocate Enterprise in Texas. He has successfully led and had day-to-day -day responsibility for traditional and online ad sales teams in Dallas, San Diego, Sacramento, Houston, Riverside, Oceanside, Santa Monica, and Modesto. He has worked with over 4,000 broadcast, print, and digital media companies and retailers nationwide. He now partners with media companies professionally, developing leaders and sales teams to integrate traditional media with digital solutions. He and his wife, Anne, live in the San Diego area, have 11 children and 33 grandchildren. 
Welcome to The Whole Steward, Gary Moore. Well, it's an honor, Andrew. Thank you for having me, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, boy, I didn't realize I was quite that old, but I uh, appreciate you bringing it back to my attention. Uh, a lot of times when I get introduced, really the thing that blows people away is when they say you have 11 children and then 33 grandchildren, people will usually ask, are you Catholic or are you Mormon or didn't you guys own a TV? And I want to clarify this out. We did own a TV, but we also were very excited about having uh, the 11 children we had. But that's not why we're here today. We're really here to talk about really ownership of a company, if that makes sense for you. Maybe talking about the history you have, things that you've done. That Does it make sense for you to be uh, considering to own your own business? Or is it better to stay with the corporation? Now, uh, kind of uniquely, it's almost cut right in half. I had 25 years with corporations dealing with anything you can think about and working in the corporate world. And then I have 25 years of owning my own companies. Uh, we'll talk about probably one of those companies a little bit today. But as we venture down what we're going to be discussing, this really all has to do with your viewers and what they may want to look at if they're considering some of the things that you've been going over in an excellent manner, I might add, on the whole steward. So how do we evaluate and how do we know if we should be even thinking about going into business for ourselves? Now, I want to just point out to you one more time, I went into business with my oldest son and a couple of other individuals. We started our own business and I had 11 children to take care of. And that was a very big responsibility to make sure that we had some revenue coming in and able to have a business that could stand on its own legs. And that's what you want to evaluate. What is the lifestyle you have now? Do you want to maintain that lifestyle? What are the things you really need to look at to have that happen? You know, Andrew, a lot of times I'll hear individuals say, boy, um, yeah, we're going to start a family as soon as we can afford it. And, you know, that's kind of interesting. You yourself, Andrew, you have a house load yourself with yeah. five, five wonderful grandchildren, I call them. And, uh, uh, but when you stop and think about it, you're never going to be able to afford and to start a family. So that's not the way that you necessarily look at it. So as we're looking at a business and all, let's kind of talk about some of those things. Let's talk about the financial end. Let's talk about the mental end, because you're going to have to go through a lot of things mentally. If you're going to make a shift like I did. Now, one of the many things I want you to think about as we're going through this today, my experience is my experience. It's not yours. And you're going to have certain unique things that you offer and they offer out there, Andrew, that's actually going to be more important that what fits your style. I'm just going to tell you some of the things that we looked at, what we thought was important. And I'll mention some of the things that I thought were important and they weren't. And then I'll turn around and talk about some things that I didn't even know should be important, but they are. And to really get started, I think the first place I kind of like to look at boils down to core values. Now, before you sit there and think, oh boy, now we're going to get into a, uh, a real corporate setting here. I'm talking about low-key core values, yours. 
your core values, how you can operate your company. You want to be able to have some stated core values that you can look back on and say, are we fulfilling these core values? Or are we actually uh, not following our core values? And I want to talk about what some of those are. And I make it very personal, not business, uh, when you think about it. Uh, I think about it from the standpoint of, you know what? I want to make sure that I take care of every one of our clients just like I would want my grandmother taken care of. And you say, oh boy, what in the world are you talking about? We're talking about business. Well, I know one thing. I remember when my grandmother and my grandfather received a phone call and somebody called them about an investment, some of the things that Andrew shared with uh, over the last several months here on The Whole Steward. And they literally were going to rip off my grandfather. They're going to take away his money. And they promised him high interest rates. And that's about all he heard. And he was pretty excited about that. And then he called me and told me he got this great deal and how wonderful it was. Well, one of the things that, that uh, happened there was that it turned out to be a fraud, turned out to be an individual that was doing this against many other individuals in the San Diego area. And I literally got an attorney. We got it turned around immediately. So what does that have to do with my core values? I think each and every customer that I have, each and every customer you're going to have, if you're going to start your own business, that you need to decide how are we going to handle our customers? Are we just going to do it to get by? Or are we going to do a number of things that make us different? You know, you need to talk about in core values, honesty. And honesty, the hard thing about that, Andrew, is that with your audience, some individuals will talk about honesty. And you might look at it and say, that doesn't sound very honest to me. And it's very true. It depends where your standards come from. Now, you have your standards come from what you believe is correct. Now, I use the Bible for those standards, so they're standards that are very high, and quite frankly, I find hard to live up to on a day-in, day-out basis, but that's exactly how I want it. I want it to be that I'm challenged and that I get done with doing conducting business, and am I able to turn around and ask, was I honest with that individual? The next one is integrity, and integrity is an interesting thing because now in the environment we live in, if we look at government, integrity is in question in, in just about every corner. And I'm not trying to say that every politician doesn't have integrity, but you know what? There's fewer and fewer than there used to be, say, back in my grandparents' day when you could kind of take the word of somebody who is an authority and you could move forward with it. Well, it's just like that with your business. Are you somebody that people can look at and can actually say that person meaning you, has integrity. That's somebody I don't mind working with. I can trust them. There's somebody who I don't mind giving them money for trades or goods or services, whatever you happen to be doing for them. Very, very important that you're a person of integrity and you will lose business with a high integrity. And all the salespeople I've had worked, as you heard, I had thousands of salespeople work for me over my career. All of them, I always used this element. If you tell the truth and we lose a sale, that's okay with me. Because I don't want to get sales because we stretch the truth or we promise something we weren't going to promise. The fact on integrity was critical 
because it's a reflection not only on your company, and it is on your company, but it's a ref reflection directly back at you if you're the owner of that company or you're part of some kind of partnership. So integrity is critical. So let me ask you this. Sure. If, if you don't have integrity, that could also cause you to lose sales, correct? A absolutely. And I think what you can... Um, this is my perspective on this. Mm -hmm. If you don't have integrity, I don't think you'll be in that business very long because people catch up to that. Mm -hmm. And if they, you won't be able to get what's very important. I'm going to talk about a little bit later on word of mouth of your business and of you, how important that is. And if you don't have integrity, I would highly recommend you don't go out on your own until you're ready to be somebody who's known as somebody with a lot of high integrity. I'm not saying that most people believe that. I think you've probably dealt with people going, well, they don't have a whole lot of integrity. But let me tell you, how do you feel about them? Mm -hmm. Can you think about a restaurant you'll never go back to because of the way you receive service or got billed for something extra you didn't um, love it when they add the 20% tip automatically in there and then put in there and how much tip do you want to give? All those kind of things, I think, reflect on the integrity of the ownership of that company. You want your company to have trust and be the kind of company that when you say something, people know that it is the truth as far as you know. So high integrity is very important. Another one is quality. The quality of your service or whatever you're doing is something that sounds easy and almost everybody, me included, before we got into business to say, I would always give high quality work. Listen, high quality work is hard work and you need to be ready to have a high, high standard on quality, not only of anybody who might be working for you, but of yourself. And, and that is one of the things that a lot of people when they get into business, they kind of think, I'm the boss, I'm the owner, and now I can do what I want. Well, frankly, no, you really can't. Why do so many businesses go out? I forget the numbers and they change, but the numbers are high on a matter of the first two or first, second, or third year that people go out of business. And a big part of that is because the quality of whatever you're offering, the service or whatever you're doing, isn't there. So you want to make sure that you have checkpoints on how am I making sure you have quality. Those checkpoints will vary on whatever you're thinking about doing a business in. So how, how hard is that? Can you speak to the difficulty of uh, accomplishing that? Yeah, you bet. It's, it's very, very difficult. The reason being is that a lot of times quality is going to cost you on your end more money and cut right into your profits. Mm -hmm. And uh, the companies that, that I have, and actually the companies when I was running Help Run Corporations, quite frankly, was always put in there, don't do shortcuts that's going to directly impact the clients because word will get out and that'll start harming you. So it's very difficult to do because it's much easier to complete what you say you're going to do, but not do it with the highest of quality. And that is very, very important. I think another one is hard work. And this is the misconception of owning your own business. People have a tendency of thinking, well, I'd like to own my own business because I like to spend the afternoons on the beach. So I'll just get up extra early and I'll work and then I'll go hang out on the beach. Look, there are very, very few uh, jobs or 
quite frankly, companies you can start that's going to allow you to be hanging out at the beach at least for the first five to eight years because you should be building up your company. And even after then, you probably won't want to because you won't want to drop the quality of what you're offering your clients. So I, I think there's a there's a notion out there right now with the advent of the, the digital medias, the, the YouTubes of the world. And yes. you, you see these creators that are... Uh, they seem to be doing what they love to do and somehow they're making money at it and it's like, oh, that's their job. But it, are you saying that there's there's other aspects to that business, that revenue model that uh, is, is not hanging out on the beach or is it just that that's a very small niche of a business model that could work? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, if you're selling surfboards, you can probably hang out at the beach. Okay. But... but <laughs> Um, but a little more serious note, uh, when you're really thinking about what you're doing and how you're going to go about doing that, it's going to take time. And I've always been individual. Again, this is just me. I'm not saying you need to be this way, that I always put in a lot of hours. I got to work early in the morning and I left fairly late in the evenings. Unless one of the kids had a game I absolutely needed to get to, I was working. When I got my own, uh, started my own business, I found out I worked even a whole lot more, not less. Tell us about that when you started your own business. Yeah, well, when I started my own business, um, well, it was interesting because I probably had the best sales uh, director job in the whole city of San Diego. Uh, I had over 300 employees. Uh, we were making very good money, uh, you know, and I don't want to list that that number, but you can you can safely say that it was um, in I'll say hundreds of millions a year. It was a lot of money, oh, wow. a lot of responsibility, and with that, while you had that, all of a sudden I was going to walk away from that, and then here I was going to have my own company. Well, one of the scariest things about it was, and I sort of knew it, but not really that on the Friday when I walked out and uh, people thought I was crazy, you have 11 kids and you're going to go start your own business and you are leading this huge sales organization, making excellent money. And I'm going, yes, but my oldest son had finished college and I was ready to do a, a job with him. He had been homeschooled his whole life. And I told my wife, you got to homeschool him. I want to start a business and I'd like to do it with him. So, uh, with, on my part, no reservation on hers quite a bit, but she was fair and said, do what you want. Uh, we started our company. But what happened was that Monday when we opened up shop, first 15 minutes, the phone didn't ring. And I'm going, whoa, that's kind of funny. And uh, what's going on here? Because I used to have tons of phone calls all the time. My phone calls were always going. I had an assistant that would screen everything for me and all that was done. I had to answer my own phone, but it wasn't ringing. And I began to realize I need to make outgoing calls. And if you aren't ready for that, you now, because I was in sales, I'm okay with outgoing calls. No problem. But not everybody is. And that was really important to realize that that was a difference. The other difference was at the end of the first week, I did not have a paycheck. Now, not that money's that important when you're trying to feed 11 kids, but it does help. And so uh, 
began to realize the importance of cash flow. Cash flow is critical. If you're thinking of doing your own business, understand what cash flow means. Paul Stewart will have things on that issue, but critical. Because here's the problem when you start your own company. When you start working, you aren't soliciting for new business. You're working. And so you have to have cash flow that is coming in on a regular basis. And that means you need to be innovative, which is another core value you want to have when it comes to innovation. Got to have it. You have to have that innovation. And remember, no cash flow is a problem. Now, before you sit there and go, well, of course that's true, Gary. Well, I've got news for you. It's your problem. And you need to be ready to deal with it. And I never quite understood that. But also, we had some services at that time when we first started that we'd start on a project, but you're going to get paid on it two months later. Mm. Well, when you're working for a corporation or another company, you get paid. doesn't matter. Week in, week out. doesn't matter that you're going to get it when you get it. And um, and then also what happens if you don't get paid for what you did? Fortunately, I knew a lot of the people were doing work for it. I got most of that money in. I didn't have the problem with collection like a lot of companies do. So answer, what are you going to do if people aren't paying you? Those are all the kind of things you don't necessarily think about when you're starting your company. You're all excited about what you're going to go out and do there, and you're going to make a difference, right? And so those are things that are important that you kind of keep those so in mind. So at the beginning, when you uh, launched your own company, you were doing all of that yourself? Absolutely. Your CEO, CFO. Well, your your son was involved. How, how, was, how was your son involved? Well, my son was involved. But you have to remember at that point, when we first started our company, it was very different today mm. with him. But he was learning. He was just out of college. So he was learning. And it was kind of like a paid school for him. And he had gone to a Bible college. And when um, he came home, we said, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start a company. And so he really learned from scratch about how to how to operate in business and all. So that was on my shoulders. Now, you may have a different kind of setup, but if you do, you need to understand it's your job to bring everybody up and go through those core values and explain why these are important and you expect them to carry those those things out. So on the whole steward, we've we've talked about your your mission, your vision and your values. The yes. the uh, the vision being what does success look like? The mission being why why are you doing this? Why are you trying to achieve this vision? Right. And then the values are what are you willing and not willing to do to get there? Is that a fair assessment of uh, how to approach it? That's a very good assessment. Um, but um, that no, that what brings up an interesting point that I talked to you about it one time. Yeah. And that is to have a business plan. And I know some of you are going to mm. go, why do I want to bother with a business plan? Mm. You have to have a business plan. Now, there's lots of resources and how do you write them, so I'm not going to go into all that. Um, but you can write to me if you have any questions. I'll be glad to answer any of them for you. But you should have a business plan that is something that 90 days in, you should be able to pull that business plan out and start evaluating how you're doing. Then you ought to be able to pull it out at six months. And then you ought to be able to pull it out three quarters of the year and then um, at the end of a year. Why Am I saying every 90 days? Because you're going to make adjustments to your business plan. It's not going to go the way you thought it was. Mm -hmm. And when I originally started, 
I was going to be a training company. That's what my son and I were going to do, have a training company. People wanted to pay me money, but they wanted to pay me money for other things. And when I saw what it was, I went, well, we can make money doing that too, so we'll do it. So it changed a big portion of what, what really happened with our company many, many years ago. So at the very beginning, you didn't get any phone calls. Uh, you didn't get any paychecks. And people somehow, somewhere along the line, early on, you, you realized people wanted to pay you for something, but it wasn't what you were originally planning to go into business for. It wasn't in your original business model. And how did you stumble upon that and what was it? Yeah, I didn't blindly stumble across it. Uh, uh, it was going to be important that I did consulting work because I had, I had run a, a number of sales divisions, had success with it. People knew that. I okay. was well known in the industry. So, But what I found out was I had planned originally that maybe, I forget the number now, but I believe it was half, would come from training. Okay. Well, the reality was they looked at me and said, we don't want you to train. As a matter of fact, when we started our business, I had a major, major company call me back to their, their, office, um, to their offices in Chicago. So Eric and I went back there, my son Eric and I went back there. And long story short, they wanted me to start running their operation. And, uh, uh, and uh, I told them that's not in our game plan. That's not what we're doing. But it kind of dawned on me that people had a reputation of certain things that people were willing to pay for. So we adjusted our game plan. So it's, it's safe to say then you need to have flexibility and uh, the willingness to pivot. And like you said, you know, be, be revisiting the business plan and uh, reevaluating. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You need to do that. So as we think about, okay, on, on what should our viewers be thinking about? What should mm -hmm. they be thinking about when, if we're going to go into business? Here's some things that you might want to jot down or at least think about. They're not really difficult, but it is important. But number one, I think it's very important. Do what you love to do. In other words, wherever your company's going, love what you're going to do. Now, I can tell you that for 25 years, when I woke up, when I was working for corporations, I loved every day of it. Every day. I'm not kidding. I didn't have a bad day at work. No such thing. Now, the most recent 25 years has been totally different. It's me waking up with us and a few to make things happen. I love it each and every day. As a matter of fact, I haven't retired yet. I still haven't figured out if and when I even want to retire because I enjoy doing what we're going to be doing. You want to love what you're going to be doing. Do not, if it's just work, do not start your own business because having your own business is a passion. It is going to start competing with your private time, your family life, it's going to uh, interfere with everything. And you have to decide, is are you willing to do that? Is your family willing to have that kind of sacrifice, to have that kind of support at home? And, uh, of course, as I mentioned earlier, I, I always look at, do I think this is God's will on what he wants me to be doing instead of some wild thought I may have come up with? Right, and that's one of the reasons why it's so important to have your mission clear. So you have the vision. Here's the what uh, that, you know, if we're successful at this, this is what it looks like. 
but the mission is the why. And yes. uh, recently I found Anna, my wife, saying, I think you need to revisit your why because, you know, I'm up late at night working on something for the whole steward. And she's, you know, she and that was super convicting because I was like, oh, wow, I'm at the point where she thinks I need to revisit my why. That's those are those toughest moments where you're like, why am I even doing this? And if you don't have that clear, you're going to just be like, all right, well, let's quit. Well, (laughs) well, as the saying goes and the going gets tough, right, gets tough. You want to make sure that the why is clear. So it's a reminder of what you're doing. Mm. And I know this sounds, I don't know, it sounds a little, eh, maybe not important to you. I'll guarantee you it's important to you. It's critical. So do what you love to do. Do what other people say you're good at or what you're great at. What do other people say about that? That's your brand. That's who you are. And if you're thinking of you're going to go build airplanes, and nobody even understands that you understand anything about it. Maybe you don't. But listen to what they say you're good at. And what are you adding? Where do you add value into their value proposition by working with you? Many times what happens is people will say, oh, I think it'd be fun, for instance, to run a restaurant. First of all, it's not necessarily fun to do that. Number two, if you don't have a passion for the kind of food that you're serving and always wanting to improve it, always making sure each and everything you serve is always high quality, it's hard work. So you need to think through, is that what you want to be doing? Now, everybody, you know, I always say there's 31 flavors of ice cream for a reason because everybody has a different take. Look, you maybe think I'd like to do a restaurant, but then you might say, yeah, I want to run, run a Chick-fil-A. It's a great option. If you think you can love it and you can come in there and smile and be happy with every customer that's in there, great option for you. If you're kind of going, I don't know, having half a dozen things you serve and that's all you serve and it's told to you by corporate office how to do it, doesn't excite me, then don't do a Chick-fil-A. Do something else. Now, Chick-fil-A, you would have to have uh, some sort of a resume or a history in probably the restaurant you know, or the fast food space. Yeah. Uh, Chick-fil-A is a franchise, if I... They uh, they are a franchise. Correct. I believe they also so have uh, their own their own locations, they have too. corporate locations. Right. So. However, uh, they're very picky on who can, yeah. who can get a hold of a franchise. Yeah. So I just use them as yeah. kind of an example. So after you talk about, you love doing what you do, what do people say that you're great at? Uh, know what your clients' needs are. Who are you going to sell? What what you like to do? What's worth something? Can you actually make a living out of this? Are they really looking for what you're offering? Because a lot of times, like I said, I had enough experience that what I was able to do was shift gears. And it was very natural, tied in with other experience I had. It just was surprising to me that I was going to do far more at the beginning consulting work. I just had not really thought that was going to be what I'd be doing. So, all right, next, you want to make sure that you leverage your existing contacts and friends. So important. I I literally started a whole business because I was known well enough in the industry that for businesses across the country, they would know it if I called them. They'd know who I was 
for the most part. I'm going to say about 70%, 75% of the media companies knew who I was. That made it much easier. But I am going to give you a little bit of interesting insight. If you're thinking of doing your own business, do not think you know where you're going to get that business. Because I'll promise you this. You will not get business from people you know you're going to get business from. You will not get it. And then there'll be people that you thought they'll never yeah. buy my services, and they do. And so uh, it's really been very interesting. It was a real learning curve for me to kind of realize that. And you know what? It it's, it's took determination to build a long-term business, determination of hearing no's or worse than this, Maybe people would always return your calls before you had your own business, but maybe they won't now that you do have your own business. And so I know why he's calling, so they won't do it. So you just have to remember, you want to leverage your existing contacts, and you want to make sure you're leveraging your friends correctly uh, so that you're able to maximize your opportunities early on. Once you start building a clientele base, then you have lots of things you can do like getting testimonials from your clients, mm -hmm. things like that, to build new business. Now, testimonials, do you really believe in that, Gary? One business I have, local broadcast sales, we have over 1,400, 1,400 testimonials that we put on a space on our website for anybody to come and look at. Tells people why they love what we're doing. And as a matter of fact, every one of our testimonials starts out with, I love LBS because. And so if you're on LinkedIn, you might say a big heart. I might post a big heart and I'll have a quote from somebody and they'll say why they like our services because why our current customers like our services will probably be the same reason somebody else might like our services. Interesting. So get real practical with me for a second. Sure. H how would you go about uh, getting testimonials? Let's say, you know, you're starting... Uh, a business, uh, you're you're in the infancy stage, right. and so so how do you do that? Well, one of the things that uh, part of your sales process with a client is when you finish the project and they say, "I really appreciate the way you you, you did whatever it is you do," and then simply and make a statement. Would you mind to put that in writing and send that to us? That would be really helpful for us. Thank you very much, and I'm glad you were happy. That's what we had, but ask for them. Ask for those. Um, another, um, which is something we do on a regular basis, we give away books. We might do a webinar and we give away books. And so we do a little contest. And maybe we'll give away three books to three individuals that send it in. We get lots of um, I Love LBS because of that. Hmm. And so that's another way you can do it. Now, but, do, you, do you specifically ask them, like, hey, when you write the testimonials, say, I love LBS because, and then fill in your own? Are, are you requesting that format? Or did do they just magically somehow say, I love LBS at the beginning of every sentence? Well, they magically do. But let me tell you what the magic is. Okay. On the form, because we have a form that you, you go to. Oh, okay. And so in the form, the first few words says, I love LBS because. And then there's a box. And then you fill, fill it in. Okay. So that's, that's how we decide to do it. You could do it lots of different ways. Practical tips here, though. You might, you might want to do it kind of your own way. Some people try to write others. And um, for, for example, we've, we've seen um, 
testimonials that clearly were not written by the person who's next to the photo there. There's no way they wrote that. And it was probably written by the individual who asked for the testimony. So they wrote out a testimonial and said, will you sign this? Mm. You know, I, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad idea, but it's not very genuine. And you might want to question the integrity of that too. So, so also yes. now we talked about, let's get back on where we were. Do we do what you love to do? What other people say you're great at? Know that. Know what your clients' needs are. Leverage your existing clients base. And then next, know how to empty your own trash cans. Hmm. Now, wait a minute. What are you talking about here, Gary? I'm talking about if you own your own business, you'd be willing to do anything it takes to operate that company. If you're trying to be an owner because you want to be, quote, an owner, um, it's going to be very hard for you to be successful. You know, when you work with a corporation, a lot of those things are all done for you. And you know what? It's nice. Didn't have to answer my own phone. Didn't have to Take empty out my own, own trash. trash. Yeah. <laughs> you, you name it. Um, didn't have to uh, type up my own letters didn't, or my own emails. But uh, guess what? When you run your own company, you probably will do some of that and more. So do not think that you're over any particular position. And by the way, if you happen to have worked for a company for any period of time, you've had a job description. Throw them away. In your own company, there's no such thing as, that's not my job description. Mm. If you have a client asking, it is your job description. And people have a tendency to say, well, I want to be an owner so I can be my own boss. You aren't your own boss when you own your own company. Get that clear in your mind. So now... The, the question does arise, though, there's some things that I'm just no good at. Yeah. And I should probably be having somebody like, you know, let's say my taxes. I should probably be paying a tax man to do those rather than do it myself. Right. Or um, I don't know. Whatever, whatever the thing might be might require an expertise that I could say, well, I'm just going to wrestle through it and try to do it myself and just like really struggle and just not do a good job. Yeah. So where, where does the place go for, you know, where is the place for uh, outsourcing things that you're not good at to focus on the things that you are good at or you should be? Yeah, let me answer that. And then I'll finish that conversation yeah. where we were on that. But let's let's talk about that just for a second. Um, you want to make sure that you can outsource Anything that you believe somebody else can do as well or better. So you can work on the tougher things like going after new clients, mm. maybe doing some of the more technical things of, of the job that you have. Right. But that has to be in your plan because that is expensive. Yeah. That's an expense. So you have to weigh, where am I going to do some of the mundane things until we get a little further along? Yeah, so you're really talking about the bootstrapping stage where you know, you're, you're the only guy. Yes. Or in your case, you and your son. Yes. <laughs> so you could have you could have Eric take out the trash for you, I guess. Well, that's because he was there, like, "Hey, Eric, you got to take out the trash because I'm trying to send these emails or make these phone calls." Yes, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes he said, "Dad, you need to take out the trash because <laughs> okay. I want to get something done." However, um, you know, as you're thinking about all these things, and the, the thing I had mentioned a little earlier that you're not your own boss. What I mean is, your clients are your boss. Mm. Every one of your mm. bosses. Uh, is every client is a boss. 
And so don't think you're going to go, I have my own company, so you're the boss in the way that it's go, the way that it goes. It was much easier to be in a corporation because I had all sorts of people. I had hundreds of people I could assign whatever I wanted to them mm. that didn't have to do it. Here, I've got to decide, hey, it needs to get done, so I'm going to get it done. And so as we remember that it's important, why don't have a job description? Because I think job descriptions make people lethargic. Mm. I think it's too easy to brush off. That's not what I do, and that's not why I'm here. If it's a client asking, oh, yes, you do, that's what you do. There's no such thing as something too basic that's not good for you. So Interesting. And this is why it's always hard to realize that you're not really working for yourself. You really are working for each and every client you have. Remember, even a client, you may not want to have them anymore. And there is a time and a place, by the way, which if we have time, we can go into it. When do you fire a client? There is such a thing. However, at the same time, you want to make sure you've kept that integrity or core values high with them so that when they talk to other business owners, they can still recommend and say that your business did a, a very good job for me. Even if they still don't use you, they still can direct business to you. So that's worth keeping in mind. Um, I think one of the hardest things for people going into business on what they may not fully understand you, meaning as an individual, you become the brand of your business. Mm. You are the brand of the whole steward. Right. I'm a guest. Yeah. But you are the brand. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. And with your company, if you're going to start a company, you need to understand I'm now a brand. And so if you want to look on, for instance, um, LinkedIn, uh, you can look and see how I did it, other people doing it. How do they become kind of a brand in and of themselves? What kind of things are they posting? What are they saying? And when I say posting, what are they putting up for other people to read about their business? And because there's no such thing as a neutral engagement with a potential client. They either are liking you more and have an interest in what you're doing, or they like you less. They don't walk away and go, eh, maybe, maybe not. In their mind, they're evaluating you, or if they even happen to go to something like LinkedIn and they happen to look on you, that's you. That's you. So not only do you have a company brand, right, but like McDonald's has their own brand, but in your business, you're going to have also your own personal brand. You know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking there, there's the notion out there like, oh, you don't want to be the brand because now if something happens to you or you decide you know what i don't want to do this anymore i want to do something else and you were the brand now does the the business completely fail and fall apart is it is it non-existent anymore do you have a system in place that could carry on without you and i thought about this uh in terms you you brought up mcdonald's um what what's the the guy's name uh, ray croc ray croc um He's really well known for building that brand. And here you have McDonald's that's really functioning without him now, right? Yes. You know, as a, this massive They're still uh, doing okay. Yeah. They're do still doing fine. He built these systems. But what's interesting is the name, you know, his name is still associated with that. Yes, it is. It's still, when you think of McDonald's, you think of, oh, well, that was Ray Kroc. And, of course, he, he bought it from the McDonald's brothers and all that. But 
Um, it's interesting that he gets pegged with that brand. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'll tell you who else did was Sam Walton with Walmart. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. anybody well, it's in the name, right? <laughs> anybody who thinks, well, Walmart and Walton, maybe. Is that, I thought that's where that came from, but maybe I could be wrong about that. What you need to do is read the book about uh, his life. His life, it's a, it's a wonderful book. I got book. some homework. I'm getting assigned homework and, here, folks. And everybody who's watching should read it as well. If you're mm -hmm. interested in business, listen yeah. to what he did. That guy was incredible. He did everything. Well, we'll not rephrase that. That was exaggerated. He did many things that typical retailer would not do. Sears would not do it. Montgomery Ward wouldn't do it. Montgomery Ward. Kmart. Are they still open in your market? Mm. All these stores knew the right way to do it. And then you had this guy, Sam Walton, this hick out of Arkansas, who would go and open up stores in the silliest of markets. He avoided metro markets until he got big enough. It was amazing. And when you read this book, you find out what his strategy was, and he is being laughed at, and his family's not laughing. I believe what happened with them, I believe there's four who inherited his company. They're all millionaires, of course. And, um, you know, amazing what the branding of an individual can do. Now, you brought up another point. What about your company, and does that mean you're going to fade away or your company will fade away. Mm. I hope you're wise enough to have a next generation of somebody ready to take over if something does happen with you. And that takes a lot of work. That's a whole separate, whole steward um, session yeah. on how do you how do you actually mentor somebody or some buddies to be able to follow and follow in the footsteps of your entrepreneur um, viewers out there. That's mm -hmm. a very, very good point. So one of the few things, and we'll wrap it up here pretty quick, understand all these things we've talked about, but here's something that's real important you need to understand. You need to understand your customer's customer. You go, well, that's a silly saying, Gary. What do you mean understand your customer's customer? What you want to be able to do is you want to be able to be a value to your customer because what you're doing is giving them value for their customer. And to do that, it takes significant work, it takes significant effort, and a lot of knowledge to be able to do that. You may do it, some people say, well, I'll do it through surveys. Go ahead, I think surveys are okay, but better is talking mm. to your customer's customer, knowing what exactly is going through their head when they deal with your business, right? So that you can make sure that, okay, that seems to be important to the consumer. So here's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to fulfill their need. So you want to understand the customer's customer. So now, uh, yeah, as an example, I'm thinking of my friend who is uh, starting an electrician's business. Yes. Uh, and, and he's an electrician. Now, He's starting to build the business and he has uh, revenue. He has a lot of clients. Uh, his customers would be, say, um, industrial type buildings or maybe like the cell phone companies or whatever. Hey, can you come run these wires and all this stuff? Yes. How far does his consideration go beyond just the customer that said, hey, come run these wires, uh, you know, turn the lights on, whatever? One of the most practical and and 
I'm not going to say easiest because nothing's necessarily easy, but one of the most effective things is to be able to walk to one company and say, we just finished a job just like this for that other company. Mm. And you want to make sure if you stuck with your core values, remember those? We we're talking about mm -hmm. those core values, and we only really ran over a few of them, uh, though there should be more. If you've stuck to your core values, there is a good tendency that your previous client won't mind if another prospect calls them and says, what do you think of Andrew Stanton's electrical company in yeah. this sense? Right? Oh, they were great. You should use them. Well, they might say <laughs> something like that, or they might even say something which is even better. Look, I'd use them again because I've used others and I've had big problems with them. Mm. These guys got the job done, so I was happy with them. That's all it takes, not for the electrician to say that, but for that customer to say that. Mm. It's very, very powerful. So, so as, as kind of maybe as a wrap-up and mm -hmm. kind of tying this all together, and by the way, uh, feel free if you'd like to reach me, easy to... Um, uh, to reach me by email is probably the best way. I'm at Gary, that's G-A-R-Y, Moore, M-O-O-R-E, at Insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Edge, E-D-G-E, dot com. Feel free to write and ask any questions. But what I want to put in your mind is, as you're closing, you constantly want to be doing the fact that you are increasing the shareholder's value and everything you do, and you go, wait a minute, Gary, I'm not taking, um, uh, I'm not going public with my business. What do you mean shareholders? Anybody who has an interest or benefits from your company, that should be your clients, but it should also be your family. It should also be yourself. And anybody who is depending on what you're doing for income, you want to constantly be increasing the value of what you're doing because when you do that, there's a better chance that your revenue will increase. And so constantly be working on that element of increasing the value to your shareholders. Shareholders, whether you're public or private, constantly you want to be checking it off of there because you might be plenty happy, but maybe your family's not. Maybe uh, your individuals you're working with aren't. Maybe your clients aren't. And if you drop the ball on increasing your, your value, you're going to end up being in trouble. People don't like status quo. Hmm. People love when you add value. So make sure that you don't miss that. So I think just kind of to close here, and thank you very much for your time. I know we've covered a lot. There's been a lot that's there. Uh, um, it's all been great. Uh, I'm all ears today. I think there's one thing I want you to think about, and I, I'm not, this is not a brag. I'm not a bragging kind of individual, but I do want to tell you that my son and I have, have borrowed no money from the start. We never, Interesting. we never had to borrow money to run our companies. And we own, own a whole nother company that is based, um, uh, and now when you look at it, it's a very, um, uh, worthwhile. It's kind of a pot of gold. It's it's worth so much, but we didn't borrow money to build it. So one of the things you want to be careful of, you may need to borrow money doing what you're doing, but be very, very careful because there's a whole different um, side of things that you need to look at when you go into your own business if you're going to have to loan some money. And do count 
on some dry spells. So make sure that you don't go, oh, good, I made $3. This is great. And go out and spend it. Don't go and do that. What you or you made do. $3, so go borrow 300 Yes. You want to make sure that what you have is that you have some reserve at some place. Because, again, if your cash flow, remember that word, if your cash flow isn't consistent, you need to have another source of income until or revenue until that time comes that you're able to do it. But listen, end of the day, if you want to do your own business, if you're really thinking about it, I would highly recommend it. I would just make sure that I'd ask you a thousand questions before you do it. But again, I've loved every day of it. And I would highly encourage if you have that passion, you have that desire to do it. It's a great thing to be doing. This is awesome. And I happen to know that you didn't even go to college. Could you tell us what kind of education do you need for <laughs> starting your own business or, uh, you know, this this path to success? Yes. Good. Good question. And some of you, um, uh, I don't want you to misread what I'm what I'm saying. Do I like education? Yes, I love education. As a matter of fact, we have a training company, you know, training, education. That's <laughs> what we do. But the reality is I want my doctor to have a degree hmm. and I want them to have lots of certifications and I want them to be continuously learning more. Can you imagine going up to get this? What if you had a heart surgeon and you walked into their office and you look around, you know how they always have plaques up on the wall? What if they didn't have any plaques on the wall? He goes, Oh, I'm self-taught. Yeah, I'm self-taught. And you go, it might be okay. You go, really? Um, what do you mean self-taught? Well, I performed lots of surgeries. As a matter of fact, I used to do it in the back hills of Kentucky. And I used to uh, do my own uh, open heart surgeries. I got pretty good at it. So I opened up my own clinics and I've been doing them ever since. Well, in that case, I'm really happy for him. But he's not going to operate on me. Okay. So there are certain elements where you have to have a college education. But I want to let you know, as you can well imagine, if I had sales teams, which is a highly professional business, and I had hundreds of salespeople, I've hired some of the most educated people you could ever imagine. Uh, I remember hiring an MBA who aced a test we used to get beforehand, which was the intelligence test. And the company that administered those tests called us up and said, who took this? We said, well, this applicant, and I said, uh, oh, really? I said, yes. They go, hire him. Nobody has ever aced our test. He didn't miss anything. I said, really? Oh, that's great. We hired him, and it turned out to be one of the worst hires I ever made. No. It was, was not, uh, not there. So, And by the way, highly intelligent guy. And as a matter of fact, he went on to be very successful in another line of, another line of work. But... The fact is, as far as it comes to uh, education, I'll tell you what I've, I've told my 11 kids. I have told them if they're going to do something, for instance, I have a son who's on LAPD. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to have some education to be on there. And so if that's what you want to do, then go and get that. I have another son who makes a boatload of money. When I say that, he makes more than I do. All right. And he's told me, he's quoted me with this and said, Dad, the best thing you ever taught, taught me was not to go to college. <laughs> and so I think people have bought into everybody needs to go to college. 
And the fact is, everybody does not need to go to college. It does not mean that people should not go to college. If you know specifically what you're going for, I highly recommend it. If you don't, I'm sure there's many of you out there who are very proud of your college education, but you don't use it in the line of work you're in today. And I ran into that time and time again over the last 50 years. I ran into that being normal. But at the end of the day, I was never not hired for a position because I didn't have college. I was being hired for the experience and what I'd be able to do. And so I tried to pass that on to you and to my kids as well. And you certainly didn't need it to start your own business. No, no, right. def definitely not. Although you'll pick up some good, you can, uh, if you're in some uh, business classes, you'll pick up some very useful things that are there. So I'm not anti-education. Mm -hmm. It's just that I truly, when I got out of high school and out of the, out of the uh, body surfing, out of the ocean and being a lifeguard, I thought, well, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I wanted to work. I wanted to get to work. So I got to work and I put my head down. And by the way, I probably have one of the most extensive libraries of any individual I know. I have in my house a whole bedroom. It's a bedroom converted into a library and it's loaded with tons of business books, tons of Bible study books, uh, because I'm a big believer in education. It's just that for me, the current education system wasn't going to work for me. Right. And I this is just my opinion, but one of the things I've started to observe is that the system, uh, you know, would almost make it like a given that you would go to college. Yes. And what you're really being trained for is just to get a job. So uh, Robert Kiyosaki says A students work for B students or no A students work for C students and yes. B students work for the government. You might have heard that before. Heard yes. Um, that's totally true. I mean, here you probably had a lot of A students working for you, and uh, you probably didn't tell them, hey, you know, the last thing I ever did in school was, you know, high school. Um, but here you had all these people relying on you to keep the ship going in the right direction, to make sure they got their next paycheck, the, all that stuff. They don't really teach you that in, in college. Like Like you said, you could take some good business classes, but, you know, Maybe a particular field, you do need some training, but. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, for those of you that went through college, and I'm saying you wasted your money and time. I've met lots of people who will tell me they did, that they wasted their money and time mm. by going through the traditional. traditional now, you element. paid for all 11 kids to go to college, right? That's not true. Oh. Um, I, I may have helped some, but not all of them went to college. Yeah, right. Uh, like I told you, um, I won't give the name, but um, he's he's financially very well off, yeah. and uh, he didn't need to go to college. He's taken a few college classes, but uh, did not go the college route. You know, traditionally four to six years of college. Yeah, one of the things we talked about recently uh, was the massive debt burden that yes. is out there, and what we just you know, it's been in the news recently, but uh, it's a big problem. I mean, now you can finance your college education. And so there's all these people getting degrees in things that you can't make money with. Yes. Like the only thing you could possibly do is maybe become a teacher and put that mush into somebody else's head, you know. But it's uh, I, I think it's an important thing to to realize, like, you know, I'm not sure that I would even encourage my sons to go to college, maybe if they wanted to. But uh, 
starting a business like we've talked about today is, um, you know, you can learn this stuff on the whole steward. You can learn it in countless places, uh, books, whatever. Um, don't necessarily need to go to college for that. And you can be very successful yes. in your business. Well, I think one of the key things to that, this is a commercial for my other business, insightedge.com. If you go and look at that particular uh, website, I believe that's the most important skills for anybody to have who's mm -hmm. going to go into business on the, for themselves. And it really has to do with personality-based training, how to deal with the public, how to deal with individuals one-on-one. -on -one. But I think as I started out this entire session, the deal is my road traveled may not fit your road, and that's okay. There's lots of ways to be able to go into business for yourselves. It's what makes it so exciting. I just hope there's one or two things that we discussed here today that's helpful for you. So. Oh, there's more than that. And we'll put your uh, contact information in the show notes so that uh, you know people can get a hold of you if they have follow-up questions. But this has been absolutely great. Uh, Gary Moore, I really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for taking the time. It's been great, Andrew. Uh, the first, first interview in studio I would love to be able to get more guests in studio. It's been awesome and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. Take care. Wow, what a load of wisdom. Uh, thanks for joining me to listen to these amazing insights. I pray you learned a little something, especially if you're thinking about starting your own business. A huge thank you to Gary Moore today. Contact Gary directly. Uh, he gave you his personal email address. Let him know what you learned. Or if you have any further questions for him, he'd be happy to answer them. Uh, I'll put his email in the show notes as well as links to his uh, businesses and his, his LinkedIn let me know if you'd like to hear from more amazing guests like this. Uh, give me honest feedback on the format. I would appreciate that. The wholesteward.com slash contact is where you can do that. Gary Moore talked about the importance of testimonials. If you'd like to leave a testimonial for the whole steward, uh, I would greatly appreciate that. You can do that at the wholesteward.com slash review. Remember to leave a review and rate it on your favorite podcatcher platform if you're listening to audio only. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss another episode. Until next time, now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.